From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, a growing number of Vermonters are experiencing COVID-19 symptoms for months after contracting the disease, a phenomenon that's being observed across the globe. Researchers are calling these patients long haulers, but with little known about the syndrome they're experiencing, these long haulers are still looking for answers and support. Check, check. On Thursday, I met Kathy Warren. Kathy lives in Montpelier. We chatted outside on her porch, <laughs> what she called her survival area. What does that mean? When I was sick, um, I actually had a lounge out here, and this is where I spent a ton of time. Yeah. yeah. Did it feel better to be outside? Yes. Why? Why? I, I don't know. I just sometimes the walls just get to be a bit much. <laughs> Kathy got COVID-19 back in early March. March 16th was the day that, um, that evening, it, it, it was pretty sudden. Um, not a high fever, but a low-grade fever, and the body aches were bad. And body aches, headache, just the overall, it felt like the flu. You know, just, you know, when it hits, you got it. And my eyes were burning. So I called my employer and I let them know what was going on and that I'd be home until I started to get better. March 16th seems like pretty early. What did you think was <laughs> happening? I had no idea. I had no idea what was happening. When Kathy and her husband both started showing symptoms, they tried to get tested for COVID, so but doctors started... said they weren't eligible. Remember, this was back when tests were in extremely short supply. So they did what you would do for any illness. Lots of liquids, tons of chicken soup for us, and rested a lot. But instead of getting better, Kathy said their symptoms just kept getting worse. And it isn't even that they got worse, like the fever didn't go higher. It's just that more things started adding on. For me, I had a sore throat and a really, really bad burning mouth, which I was entirely new. I'd never had that. And the headache was terrible, the eyes, the burning eyes. What other? Um, Oh, brain fog. It was ridiculous how difficult it was to concentrate on anything. I mean, anything like I'm putting butter on toast, (laughs) you know, and just trying to get through that little activity. It, It was just more and more symptoms seemed to come and go. For Kathy, this went on for months. Probably the most drastic side effect she experienced was what's called an esophageal hernia. This is a little graphic, but I'll let Kathy explain what that is. So through my coughing, <laughs> this is a thing, I cough my stomach up into my chest cavity. I had never heard of such a thing, but my guess is I was, I was coughing a lot. And I was laying down a lot. And anyway, that was what happened. I've got to ask, what does that feel like? (laughs) To have your stomach in your chest? (laughs) Well, it was pretty, 
pretty terrifying at first. Um, they found it at a COVID site. They told me, we don't know what we're looking at, but you've got something wrong with your lung. And so we're going to wait, send it to the radiologist, but we want you to stay right here. You know, and it turned out that it was my stomach pressing on my lung. So it was just exhausting. And I was just really grateful it could be corrected because what it did was just make me exhausted all the time. You know, walk, you see our apartment is not very big, but to walk from one end to the other was exhausting. Kathy got surgery to correct the stomach problem. But for most of this time, Kathy wasn't seeing doctors in person. She ended up getting most of the support she needed on her own. Where were you doing all this reading? Where were you trying to find information about what was happening in your body? I was online a lot. Again, because nobody knew an awful lot about this, um, it really did make you feel kind of crazy with all these weird symptoms, you know? And that it was lasting and lasting and lasting. And so I went online to a couple of different COVID support groups, one on Facebook and one just on the internet, and started reading about individuals that were going through the identical thing. We were able, people from all over the world, were able to um, encourage each other, talk about our symptoms, have somebody believe you that my mouth has been burning for six weeks and <laughs> this is so weird. It's scary to just not know. And then you read stories about people who thought they came through, yay, it's all done, and then they get slammed really hard and some people don't make it. And so we still don't really know what we're dealing with. There's still a lot we don't know about COVID long haulers uh, syndrome or long COVID syndrome. VT Diggers healthcare reporter Katie Jickling has been looking into what we know and what we don't know about long-term COVID-19 symptoms. So far, there haven't been a lot of studies, mainly because we haven't had a lot of time to do those studies. We're still only about, um, you know, less than a year into this virus. And so we're not sure about what the long-term impacts will be on patients. That said, researchers have broadly defined um, COVID long long hauler syndrome as uh, people who experience symptoms for more than three months. And in some studies, it's more than six months. Hmm. What those symptoms are, are just so varied. They can be losing your hair. They can be just fatigue or COVID-like symptoms, like a cough or fever. Um, and or they can include uh, blood clotting, which can be really dangerous because it can result in heart attacks, for instance. So right now, doctors are primarily just trying to trying to treat the symptoms because we just aren't that clear about the cause. And how broad of an issue does this seem to be? You know, about how many people does this seem to be affecting right now? So far, estimates are that between 2% and 10% of COVID survivors will have these long-term symptoms. Hmm. That is quite a big range. And I think it reflects how little we know 
But 10% of a population, especially as we see these surging case numbers and widespread infections, this could be a major impact on individuals who may struggle with these things, doctors say, for their entire lives. Um, And it could also have major impacts on the health of the population as a whole when you have all of these people who are struggling with perhaps um, similar chronic conditions. Yeah. I mean, how does that play out? Like what what does the broad public health impact there look like? I think that depends on what happens with these cases. In some cases, people might get better after three or six months, and some of that depends on what exactly is going on in their bodies. In some cases, we know that the body generates an autoimmune response. So the body is basically attacking itself as it tries to fight off COVID. Hmm. And that can be treatable. But in some cases, there's also blood clotting, potentially, which could lead to long-term heart impacts or potentially a stroke in some cases. So we don't know, but officials across the board are you know, at least health officials are calling for more research. We really need to prioritize that going forward. And some other government officials are saying, you know, we really need to make sure we have adequate health insurance for everybody, because otherwise this could be really expensive long-term. Got it. And it sounds like too, given what you've described with the variety of symptoms that people are experiencing, that this could play out really differently for different people. Yes, and that's why it is a little tricky, it's a little deceiving to clump everybody into this long COVID syndrome. Because in the instances we've talked about, it's likely affecting different people's bodies differently. Hmm. So comparing them and saying, you know, that they're going to have the same uh, impact long term or that we can do a similar treatment likely or, you know, may not be the way that it's going to play out. Wow, that's tough. I mean... Given all the uncertainty here, I wonder how are people who are experiencing this able to get the care and support that they need when we're talking about something that it seems like doctors just do not fully understand right now? I think the uncertainty is one of the biggest challenges around this. People just describe so much confusion around what is happening to my body and why, what do I do about it? When can I call my doctor or what could my doctor even do? And so people have really uh, congregated around social media, their big Facebook groups for people suffering from um, long-term COVID symptoms. And they post about their questions and they really say they feel a lot of assurance that, you know, I'm, I'm not going crazy. This, I am Um, smelling phantom smells, for instance. That was something um, people have experienced that they say is just really bizarre. So, and, and in other ways, people are finding community through support groups. The University of Vermont Medical Center has started an online support group. And sometimes people are, are just seeking treatment of the symptoms. So, you know, getting extra vitamins and making sure they're not, you know, they're, they have what they need when they're feeling very fatigued or have a bad cough, that kind of thing. Got it. So they can find some relief that way. But then also in a Facebook group or a support group, they can at least communicate with other people who are going through something similar. Even if it's not medical care, it might make them feel a little bit better about what they're going through. Exactly. And I think it's important to note that many people are just saying, you know, I really don't think there's anything I can do about it. So people are just waiting it out and 
for now, they're just trying to get more sleep or taking time off their work or school or whatever it may be. But it is having major impacts on their quality of life and on how they sort of go about their day-to-day living. You know, Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap that smells really strong. So we were doing like a smell test. I'd be like, can you smell this? I can smell this. And then one day my boyfriend was like, no. And then two days later, I couldn't smell it either. This is Nicole Racico. Nicole was a teacher in Bethel. She got COVID back in early April and said she got better after about a month. But then things got weird. Probably a week or so after I tested negative, I would have said, you know, I'm fine. I've sailed through this and I'm absolutely fine. But I was still having some memory challenges, which I didn't realize were part of COVID till after. I was just like, well, I've been sick. But I, and it's a specific kind. I've mostly been having trouble with word recall, not uh, not episodic memory, but word recall. Um, sometimes I'm just stumped. Then around June, I would say, in retrospect, my hair started falling out. And it was another one of these things where your hair always falls out to a certain amount when you brush it. I'm like, oh, I guess that more hair falling out than usual, or am I, you know, what's going on here? And then it started to be more and more. I joined a Facebook group that was COVID Coronavirus Survivor Corps is the name of the group. I started seeing all this stuff about other people's hair falling out. And it was to the point where, you know, the amount that usually falls out if you haven't brushed your hair in a week would fall out three or four times a day. Wow. And that went on, I would say all of, in retrospect, all of like June, July, part of August. So for a few months. And then I've been having about a month of of phantom smells. I would smell things that weren't really there. And that was, again, a little crazy making and hard to figure out. I would go through my fridge and throw things away and be like, I just took out the trash, but it's something smells terrible. So I take out the trash a whole bunch. And it wasn't until I went on that group and saw other people having phantom smells that I realized that because there's, there's people posting on there every day. It's like, does anybody else smell cigarette smoke when there isn't any? And that I haven't, I don't think I've had in a while. It's hard to tell if you're smelling something or not. Sometimes there's a lot to smell. Sometimes there isn't, but I would be in the same environment and sometimes it would smell horrible and sometimes it would smell fine. And then it's affected my taste. So some, sometimes I just can't smell things. Like I can smell things. If I hold up a lemon, I can smell, I know that it's a lemon, but I'd say it's about 25% of the regular smell. And that's true with a lot of things. So with Hmm. cooking, it's really hard. I kind of throw in things that based on my former cooking and knowledge of cooking, I know should taste good, but I can't really tell. And I've gone to eat things that I used to really like. Like the other day I made bacon and it was like, this is all right. And bacon is one (laughs) of the things that's very flavorful and everybody loves. And I went for sushi and ordered extra wasabi and ginger, like I always do. And I thought, oh, this is disgusting. And I, I couldn't eat it except with soy sauce. So, huh. so yeah. what, do you, what do you do with all this information? You know, you've started experiencing these phenomena and you're keeping track of them. What do you do with that information? I guess if for me, I just feel lucky that that's all that I'm experiencing. That it's only that I, my sense of smell is totally out of whack and I can't smell something or that it's only that I have like, a rash all over my body for I had that for a couple months or it's only that my hair is falling out and then stops and I can mostly function. I can remember I have strategy. I'm a special ed teacher. So I have strategies when I can't remember something that I usually teach my kids. Hmm. I feel, I feel lucky because I see the other people on this group who like 
have long-term lung damage and who are like can barely get out of bed. And so I, I, I guess I feel lucky. I mean, knowing that these things are connected, do you, do you feel like you had COVID and don't have it anymore? Or do you think about it as you still have it in some way? That is the part that I was trying to figure out, especially from the standpoint of not wanting to put anyone else at risk. Because hmm. the thing about this is there is no rhyme or reason to who gets exposed and who gets it with symptoms, who doesn't, who has long-term symptoms, who doesn't. I, they're just It just seems to be such a gamble. And so I've had, gone back and had a lot of tests to make sure it actually was negative. When every time I have a runny nose, I make sure I'm still negative. Um, I don't know. You know, some people say that these are post-viral symptoms that happen with other viruses, like breaking out in a rash a few months later. And I guess that's a sh- could be like shingles and losing your hair, those kinds of things. I just had a rapid COVID test last night that I needed to do for work and I'm definitely negative, but it's strange. I think it I think it's clear that the, it caused some kind of damage. I don't think I still have it. I think it caused some damage. And whether that damage will be repaired or not is the question. Katie, what's your takeaway from hearing from people who are going through this? You know, how does this affect how we look at COVID-19 more broadly? Early on, if you remember, the broad messaging was that a few people, mostly older people, could be hospitalized because of COVID. But really, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's just a couple weeks of the flu. And if you're healthy, you'll do fine. And we now know that that is just not true. Many of the people who are affected with uh, long COVID were healthy and were, you know, getting exercise and didn't necessarily have chronic health conditions. So there are going to be long-term impacts of this pandemic. There are going to be people who won't recover. And even if they do recover initially, these symptoms may come back. So I think it is a call in some ways to really um, adhere to public health guidelines and to, to just consider the risks in a more broad way than that initial infection. Thanks, Katie, for the rundown. Thanks very much, Mike. Find Katie's full report on COVID long haulers in Vermont at vtdigger.org. You can also get the latest on new COVID-19 restrictions due to the recent surge in cases and find all of our other coverage about the virus in one place at vtdigger.org coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then. Mm-hmm.